Welcome to The Light Angle. Today is Monday, May 15th, 2023, and my name is Jack. Happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And if you are a child, you should tell your mom Happy Mother's Day. That's that's just the right thing to do. Maybe take them out to eat, get them some flowers or something. I don't know. But uh, hope you had a good weekend. I think spring's finally here, maybe, somewhat, uh, kind of. Yeah. So hope you're enjoying that. Uh, so let me ask you all a question. When you go out to eat, do you leave a tip? I'm willing to guess you do. What about when you go to like a self-checkout register? Do you leave a tip? Probably not because that's just dumb. And yet, large organizations are now asking for tips at self-checkouts. Yeah, crazy. Self-checkout machines now ask for tips and latest squeeze on customers. Consumers already contending with a squeeze. Oh, okay. I guess we're reloading the page now as I'm trying to read it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Wall Street Journal. You're the best. Okay. It's coming. Hold on, folks. Okay, as I was saying, consumers already contending with a squeeze on their bank accounts due to inflation are now facing more pressure as businesses introduce new tipping features at self-checkout machines. Companies, including airports, bakeries, coffee shops, and sports stadiums, have now introduced the self-serve tipping option where customers can leave tips, including the typical 20%, despite facing minimal to no interaction with any employee according to a recent report by the Wall Street Journal. Customers report feeling obligated to leave a tip as they question where and to whom the extra money is actually going. But businesses are increasingly embracing the option to boost pay for workers outside of salaries, according to Wall Street Journal. <sighs> William Michael Lynn, a consumer behavior and tip culture professor at Cornell's University Nolan School of Hotel Administration, told the newspaper that businesses are taking advantage of an opportunity and who wouldn't want to get extra money at very little cost if you could. At the start of 2023, consumers were already feeling the frustration as unexpected companies were not only requesting tips, but some businesses were asking for up to 30%, according to the Associated Press. Customers, including a Wall Street day trader and college students, shared their experiences with leaving tips at fast food restaurants with drive through service and brand name coffee shops like Starbucks. I feel like if there's an automatic question to ask for tipping, there should be fine print stating where these tips go, day trader Sean McDonald told Fox. It doesn't have to be huge, but it should be in writing on the screen saying these tips help out employees or these tips go to all employees which includes management. It should be specified. Well, I agree because that is just ridiculous. And I will stand up to the machine and I will not be tipping these large corporations. Saying that, I pride myself in the fact that when I do go out to eat or if there is human interaction involved with my customer experience, I do like to tip and I like to tip well. I think I do. I mean, you know, I don't know what well is these days, but you know, I give what I can because the folks who are serving me and providing me with a happy dinner venue or whatever you want to call it, you know, they probably don't like their job. And, you know, if I'm polite to them, I think it's less likely they'll spit in my food and I want to reward them for holding back. You know, I think that's only right and fair 
What do you think? <laughs> Are you tipping well? Maybe you should. But anyway, that's my two cents. What makes it even worse, though, is there are other people who are going even further. This is from the Daily Mail. Would you tip when buying a laptop? First unionized Apple store in Maryland wants to add gratuity option at the checkout after claiming customers insist on giving them cash. Yeah, I'm sure they do insist. I bet you, I bet you fives and tens are just, you know, landing on the floor with all the people buying those, you know, super duper awesome laptops. So staff at Apple's first unionized store in the U.S. are in talks to implement a tipping system at the checkout. Workers at the Maryland branch, which became unionized last year, plan to ask customers if they wish to add an optional gratuity worth 3 to 5% of their purchase or a custom amount. A 5% tip on the latest Mac Air, which retails at $1,200, would work out as $59.95. That's a heck of a tip. It, become, it comes after shoppers complained they are increasingly being asked to tip at self-checkout machines, which we just talked about, despite having zero interaction with employees. Currently, Apple's policies state that store workers who accept a tip from a customer will be automatically fired, as they should be. But workers at the store in Towson, Maryland, say customers often insist on leaving money for them after a purchase. The cash then goes into a safe before being returned to the company without the employee seeing any of it. The Coalition of Organized Retail Employees, CORE, which represents the Apple staff, wrote on Twitter, Though we do not see tips as a major way of generating income, we wanted to create an acceptable system that allows the occasional customer the ability to reward our team for their hard work. We understand there are a lot of concerns about the culture of tipping as a whole in the U.S., but there is currently no other mechanism that would work otherwise. It added that the tips would be split between the workers. But customers took to social media in their droves to slam the new plan. One wrote on Twitter, Tips for what? Assisting a customer for picking out the latest Apple device? Give me a break. It is one of several demands being made by Core on behalf of the Maryland store, which is also asking for wage rises of as much as 10%, according to Bloomberg. <laughs> Well, I guess that guy on Twitter is not one of the people just throwing money at Apple employees. <sighs> it goes on and talks more about more of this ridiculousness, which I'm going to save you all from. But uh, yeah, that's that's what this is, is just ridiculous. If I order, if I put in a purchase to buy something and then I go to the Apple store to pick it up, the last thing I'm going to be thinking about is how I can properly tip people who are just doing their jobs normally. You know, people who work in the food industry or hotel industry, they don't get paid much. And a lot of times it's even less than minimum wage. And therefore, a tip is justified. And also, they have their hands on your stuff, whether that stuff is food or your baggage or whatever. They're, they're involved, you know. They should be taken care of. And the person taking care of them should be you because you want the best service you can get from that person. If automated systems are taking care of stuff, I'm not tipping it. Nor am I going to tip the person who spends two seconds on putting my whatever I bought in a box or something. That's called their job, and they're probably getting paid well. Anyway, that's my two cents on that. I'm a little negative about the whole conversation, but uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting, and I thought it should share it with you. So next time you're at the Apple Store or Verizon Store or wherever store, and you could ask for a tip, 
Maybe you should holler at somebody. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't. That's wrong. That's not nice. Don't do that. But maybe you should question it and not do it. Speaking of questionable things, over the past few years, we've been told by many, many faces on television what we should put in our body and what we should put, shouldn't put in our body, what is good, what is bad, regardless of the facts in some cases. In some cases, things that you know saved lives were now all of a sudden bad. And in other cases, things that have never worked before and were never and have never been proven or tested we're being told we should put in our bodies. Well, now some tests are actually coming out. Thankfully, some people much more educated than myself are doing research on some of these, you know, (laughs) comments that have been made over the past few years. And uh, I feel as though uh, that some of the published documents and peer reviewed, um, uh, uh, peer, peer reviewed, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, journals, uh, are actually coming out and providing some very good information. So this next article, I challenge you all to you know, verify what I'm reading is accurate and true. Uh, but this next article actually comes from the Multidisciplinary Digital Publishing Institute, which is widely known under the name of MDPI. Uh, this is essentially an organization. Uh, you know, It's all over the world, Switzerland, China, Brazil, um, the United States and what these people are, are nurses, uh, and other, um, scientists, doctors, other very well educated people who actually do testing on things to verify whether a thing is good or bad or is, should be used for this or not for that. Um, and again, I'm not dumbing this down to you, my audience, I'm dumbing this down because, well, this is the easiest way for Jack to talk in simple terms. All right, but I thought this was really very interesting. Um, <laughs> this, this might blow your mind. So they tested whether ivermectin is effective in cancer treatment. Yes, this is the same ivermectin that some were calling horse paste, which is actually incorrect. It actually won numerous prizes when it was first invented, I think, in the 2000s. Um, for some of its uses. Um, and yes, it is uses, used uh, in veterinarian areas also. Um, but some were using it for COVID. Um, there was no testing or no proof that it actually worked for that. But now people are actually, you know, questioning it and looking into it. And this very large group of scientists got together and actually decided to see what happened if you used it for cancer treatment. Uh, This was actually published uh, in February of this year, the 22nd of February, 2023. So it's very recent, uh, very new, and it's now, just now, making, uh, well, it's not even making it to mainstream media. I actually dug for this because I heard it from somewhere else. But anyway, anyway, uh, we all know cancer is horrible. It pretty much affects us either directly or indirectly by someone we know. Um, and you know, every so often we hear of these miracle drugs and all this, and yet chemotherapy is still what is used everywhere. And the unfortunate reality of chemotherapy is just as many people die from the therapy as they do from cancer. So, you know, that's questionable, but anywho, I am not going to read the details of this published document. 
uh, because it is very nerdy, very deep. Um, and the study is just, well, I'd lose you within the first paragraph because I'd be lost. And I have been lost and was lost when I was reading through this. But there is one very important line that uh, I think kind of sums it up. Ivermectin has been reported to inhibit the proliferation of several tumor cells. And this also suggests that it can suppress almost completely the growth of various human cancers, including breast, colon, ovarian, and melanoma. Uh, and then it goes on to say that they, uh, the tables they provide within this peer-reviewed document reference the studies uh, with uh, the ivermectin application as an anti-cancer drug to several, several subtypes of cancers. The findings warrant further ivermectin investigation for therapeutic cancer treatment, but the research was initiated through a sampling phase using surveys and interviews from medical specialists, as well as people with cancer in certain rural areas. Uh, and a lot of this was done in uh, South America and Central America. Uh, the study addresses aims to determine if ivermectin was used um, in the areas to explore opinions of medical professionals regarding the use. Anyway, it goes on with a lot of detail. It talks about the sampling, how people were selected, you know, the participants, you know, what cancers they had. Uh, but again, this is on mdpi.com and it's up there towards the top of the front page. I just thought this was very interesting because we were told, you know, almost hollered at. In fact, in some ways, people were demonized for using ivermectin for things that it wasn't supposed to be used for. But they were, you know, slandered. Um, and to come out now that, you know, ivermectin could be a possible very successful cancer treatment that does not have anything like radiation or other harmful things to you, uh, it's just amazing. And it's awesome. It's great, you know. Everyone... You know, to have a loved one have cancer or be diagnosed with cancer, you know, you automatically think the worst. Uh, but to, you know, be hopeful about something that wouldn't hurt them, that could save them from the cancer. I mean, that's awesome. Plus, this stuff is, you know, dirt cheap. It's readily available. I think it still is. I don't know. There were reports earlier, like last year, that people were taking it off the shelves. Uh, and it was, that was not right because it was being used for what it was created for and it was successful against that. So I don't know, just thought this was interesting. I thought I should bring it to your attention so you can do more research on it yourself. Again, I'm in no way, shape or form a medical professional. And for those of you who know me, you would highly agree with that. Uh, and to, you know, advise everyone not to take medical advice from you, which is why I'm giving you the tools to do the research on your own. Again, ivermectin could be, you know, something great in the future for anyone and everyone with cancer of any type. And, you know, I think we should do our own due diligence to find the truth in this and do some research and better understand how we can help ourselves and those we love. Um, saying that, talking about those we love and stuff like that. I'm all about the church, all right? I know I poo-poo, you know, modern denominational churches, and I question some, you know, denominational beliefs and, you know, their understanding of Scripture, and in some cases their <laughs> non-understanding of Scripture and how they kind of make their own. Um, but the reality is, is those who follow Christ, you know, are my brothers and sisters, and I am all for supporting them in walking this life with them. 
Um, and over the past few years, we've been losing a lot of them. You know, because of the pandemic, a lot of churches were closed, a lot of services went online, and people kind of walked away from the faith. But I have good news. This is from ChristianPost.com. A number of Americans attending in-person church services is rising. Three years after government restrictions in response to COVID-19 pandemic forced many churches to close and only offer services online, a new report reveals the state of in-person attendance. Fortunately for pastors, the share of Americans who have returned to in-person worship services continues to increase, while sizable proportion of churchgoers continue to embrace the virtual option. The American Bible Society released the second chapter of its State of the Bible USA 2023 report this past Thursday, which examined church attendance trends now that three years have passed since the height of the COVID-19 pandemic led to county and state governments deciding to extend worship restrictions that prevented many congregations from meeting in person, some for more than a year and a half, while liquor stores and strip clubs were allowed to remain open. The findings in the report released on the same day that the COVID-19 public health emergency ended are based on responses from 2,761 adults across the 50 states to a survey conducted between January 5th through the 30th. The results of the survey reveal that the share of Americans who attend church services primarily in person has increased for the third year in a row. In 2021, when the coronavirus pandemic loomed large in the minds of Americans, even after the strictest restrictions had expired, 38% of respondents who participated in the state of the Bible study said they primarily attended church in person. That figure rose to 56% in 2022 and 67% in 2023. At the same time, the share of Americans who mostly elected to attend worship services online has consistently decreased over the past three years. While nearly half, 45% of Americans attended church services primarily online in 2021, that figure dropped to 30% in 2022 and decreased to 21% in 2023. As the percentage of Americans who primarily prefer one method of worship service over another has seen wide fluctuations in the past three years, the share of respondents who say they chose both methods about equally have remained relatively steady. Measured at 17% in 2021, that figure decreased to 14 in 2022 and 12 in 2023. So I think this is great news. You know, we have the body of Christ coming back together again. I mean, you know, each of us have our own thoughts on the whole situation that transpired, you know, but the reality is, is we have to do this together and we have to, at a minimum, meet up and hang out at least once a week. Me personally, I think it should be numerous times a week and we should be practicing fellowship daily, but one is better than none, right? So, and one is always a step in the right direction because after one, you can always add two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So that's awesome. That's great news. People are coming back together, getting together in churches on Sundays or Saturdays, whenever you go. So that's good news. Also on that page is regarding people who change faith traditions usually lead to more scripture engaged with than those who didn't. So maybe through this whole process, people coming back to church, they're going to a different church. They're starting to question things about scripture, maybe about the church they were in and wanting to see what these guys are talking about. So this is another article from Christian Post. 
uh, regarding people uh, changing faith traditions and that leading them into deeper scriptural involvement. Christians who change Christian faith traditions tend to have a higher level of scripture engagement than those who do not, according to a recent study by the American Bible Study. ABS released the second chapter of their State of the Bible Study, which we just talked about. The study has a scripture engagement scale, which determines an individual's level of scripture engagement based on responses to a series of 14 questions. Those who scored 100 or higher were labeled scripture engaged, well, which included the subcategories of Bible-centered and Bible-engaged. Those who scored 70 to 99 were in the movable middle, which included the Bible-friendly and Bible-neutral categories. And finally, those who scored 70 or lower were labeled Bible-disengaged. It goes on to talk about a uh, gap existing in the scripture engagement scores of converts to mainline Protestant faith and lifelong mainline Protestants. Smaller differences in scripture engagement scores exist among lifelong and converts to historically black Protestant churches, as well as Catholics. Those who changed faith traditions are more likely to believe that the Bible is totally accurate in all of the pictures it presents than those who have stayed with the same faith tradition. So you're probably asking, Jack, why are you bringing this up? This is a lot of numbers. You're saying a lot of words and got it. You know, we should read the Bible more. That's not the whole picture. We should be coming together. There should be unity between all these denominations. We should be talking with one another. We should be open-minded and focused on scripture and studying it with one another so that we have a better understanding of the word of God. See what I'm getting at here? So while a lot of people are coming back to church, a lot of people are seeing faces, a lot of people are seeing new faces. We should be working more on fellowship on a much more often basis than just, you know, parking it uh, in a pew on Sunday morning. We should be coming together and we should be doing more fellowship. Why should we do this? Well, the one and main reason why is because the Bible tells us so. In Acts 2, 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Yes, we are meant to do this together. We are meant to go through this crazy world as one unit with the head being Jesus Christ, right? And that should be our focus. We should be working towards that, especially if we're walking into a different denomination with different ideas and stuff like that. We should have a better understanding. We should be spending more time with those people and people outside of it to have a full understanding of the word of God. So what am I getting to? Bible studies, dinners, fellowship, shoot, just texting people with, you know, a daily reminder of scripture or something. That's called fellowship. That's how we come together. And I know I kind of talked about this with the whole article last week about fellowship. If you haven't heard that, go back to, what was it, May 8th's episode and listen to that because it goes into a little bit more detail of how simple fellowship can be. It's a big word, but it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? even though it is one of the biggest things that Christians are supposed to participate in. We're supposed to do this together. So saying all that, if you're in northern Wisconsin and you want to have fellowship with me and my crazy family once a week, uh, I'm going to be starting a Bible study within the next few weeks, and I am opening it up to people in the Krivitz area who want to come by and, you know, the location is still to be determined, but and eat some food and hang out and talk about scripture and go through this together because, it's so much easier when you have a group of like-minded people who are doing their best 
to run from sin and temptation and follow the light of Christ. It's much easier to do life together than it is to do it separate. So if you're interested, this is going to be posted on Facebook. Uh, Feel free to message me uh, through Messenger, or you can always email me at angletelight at gmail.com if you're interested and you want to participate and just hang out, chit-chat, talk, eat some food. It's always good food. And dive a little bit deeper into who this God is and why his son died for our sins. Saying that, why don't you all pray with me? Father God, thank you for this new week. Keep our hearts and minds open to your Holy Spirit and keep us aware of the actions taking place around us. Not so that we can participate in the actions of this world, but to better prepare ourselves for the days, weeks, and months ahead. I pray that we, as the body of Christ, seek out time each day to share in fellowship with one another whether it be a quick conversation or an evening of eating and sharing your word, motivate us to live this life together in hopes of better serving you and one another. Please continue to bless us indeed, enlarge our territory, and keep us from evil and temptation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for this week's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light